people come in with their um, particular problems and their approach to life. Um, so now we all know that affirmations work, but it's not in a researched way. So I've actually done the study to say that if you if you target the uh, irrational, I'll call them irrational thoughts, if you target those thoughts and feelings, then you will come to the opposite of that. So I challenge the clients to actually, with me, to make up some statement that actually targets their thoughts and feelings. So it becomes a unique thing. Yeah, so I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. And I know it's early there, 7 a.m. in the morning. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, sun's not up yet. So, um, uh, but it's good because the house is nice and quiet. <laughs> That's awesome. Is it cold over there in Western Australia? It is very cold. So we have a fire going in the lounge and uh, it's rather nice here because I'm on the farm. And, Beautiful. Uh, get a great view of the Stirling Range. So it's a lovely place to be. Beautiful. So awesome. Let's let's dive into it. Um, mm. I guess a really cool place to start is your experience and I guess better, like what, what's your story? Where does it all begin? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a, a farm girl really from uh, Kendanup in Western Australia. Grew up here on the farm. But got a, um, at the end of my year 10, I got a scholarship to the only music school in Western Australia at that time, Perth Modern, and that really opened me up to a great, beautiful world of music. Um, but look, you know, we've <laughs> from that time to here, there's been so many things that have happened. Um, so eventually I got married and um, we taught all around the place. We were both teachers. So uh, my husband Peter and myself, and we ended up having four children. So, um, so yeah, West Australian schools. And then my husband wanted to do a PhD, so he went to Armidale in New South Wales and our whole family went with him. So there we were. Um, and that was fantastic. I became the director of, a, uh, of the music specialist section of a large school. Mm -hmm. And um, but from there we actually went to Queensland, where um, we did some theological studies in preparation for going overseas with mission work. So we went to Brazil, of all places. So we wow. were there uh, for, for about eight years. We were there in Brazil. Mm. So um, I had two of my children over there. So. It was it was lovely times, wonderful times, exciting. Um, but you know, we eventually came home, and I started my studies in psychology just to add to. I had a master's in counselling and a bachelor's, and so on. So I decided to go into psychology, um, and so the the next goodness, the next ten years or so. Um, I went through the whole psychology program and finished with a PhD in clinical psychology. It was a sort of a combination thing because I um, combined the cognitive study uh, with the um, more psychodynamic study. So as well as doing, you know, cognitive restructuring um, in my career and in my, especially in my studies, 
I combined that with a more, you know, psychodynamic sort of inner child theories. And that's been very exciting. And in the end, I pioneered a new therapy, uh, which I call rewiring. Um, and that's uh, basically what I did my master's in and then my PhD. And that's something that I use every day uh, in my work as a clinical psychologist. Um, yeah. Beautiful. And so we were speaking, I think it was a few weeks ago on our initial call and um, just remind me, how many clients have you, or how many patients, I guess, how many sessions have you done more precisely? Oh, more precise. My goodness, in rewind <laughs> alone, I've done, oh my goodness, 24,000 sessions. You know, wow. it almost seems impossible, but I have actually done more than that with other clients as well, because I do, you know, parenting and um, personal counselling and testing of autism and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. But just alone in rewiring, um, I've had over four and a half thousand clients doing at least six sessions each. So, <laughs> wow, that's incredible. <laughs> it's a lot when you think about it. <laughs> so, tell us about. I want to know what your lessons have been from you know doing twenty four thousand sessions, and I assume they're an hour long. So that's twenty four thousand hours. You go to the principle of ten thousand hours. Yeah. You've you've doubled that and double and a half that, so yeah. that's incredible. But tell us about rewiring. What what is what is rewiring and how is it different? And give us a little little rundown if you could. Um, well, I, at, my, at uni when I was at Murdoch, um, the lecturer was talking about how um, you can train an um, autistic children to stop, uh, say, toe walking or flapping. Um, by doing things fast. And as I was sitting there, I thought, that's amazing. Maybe by saying things fast, we can train our brains and our subconscious and our hearts um, to, to do better, to be more rational. And so I used Ellis's irrational thoughts and, or statements, and I... Uh, in my first research, I trained 15-year-olds to um, repeat these statements at speed compared to uh, just reading them over at leisure. And so what I found was that those who read it at speed aloud actually lost their depression. And, and that wow. was amazing to me. And that was over, I think it was a seven-week research that I was doing at a private school um, and of course with all the ethics and everything that goes along with it and what I discovered was that those children then had sort of encapsulated that that they were repeating the ones who did it out loud and compared to those who didn't do it at all it was amazing and I thought that's got to be a therapy and so as I went along after those years, so that was back in 1998, but as I went along then I made that into a whole therapy so that, you know, we did the repetition at speed. You have to do it for so many times a day. And I sometimes feel sorry for people, but then I realised if they do it, they actually change their minds about life about everything and so there were people coming in depressed suicidal all sorts of things and once I put them onto this new therapy 
I saw the change within weeks and I could wow. then predict um, how they were going to be. If they did their set times per day of repetition, and the repetition would take about half a minute, so they would do that, say, 50 times a day. And at the end of two weeks, I would give them the depression, anxiety and stress scales and they would be quite reduced and quite getting close to, you know, in their normal state. So they'd reduced all of that, um, you know, perturbance that they had. And I thought, this, this is actually miraculous. And I just love it when I see people say, I want to do it. I really want to get back to where I can function um, in the way I want to function. So I've been excited about it and every client is unique and every client gets their own personal statement to repeat um, every day, right? And that's that goes over six sessions. It could be six weeks. It could be, I don't know, three months, whatever, however they like to come in. And so between the times they see me, they do this repetition um, and they come in so excited and saying, I did not believe you when you told me that I would be different if I did this homework. And so, you know, uh, as I say, the ones who've done their 50 a day of repetition, they've just got, you know, flown through and I know that they will get better. Um, and then there's the other aspect to it, which is the rewiring of the heart, you know, of the emotions. So there are certain specific exercises that I ask them to do, um, which just give them those aha moments of, oh, uh, oh, of course, yes, I can speak to my inner child or, you know, whatever it is that they need to do. So those four specific exercises fit nicely into this um, therapy that I've developed over the years um, and been able to train people as well in that therapy. So I've well, basically been around the world in various places, uh, England and um, went to Malaysia and I've been to China um, and I've trained 100 Chinese therapists in this method and I'm, I suppose it's all over China by now, but <laughs> hopefully it is. <laughs> so I've I've just been so excited about this. And, of course, in Australia, all the states, I've taken the rewiring uh, and trained many, many therapists. You know, I've, I've got lists of them, hundreds of them. Um, but it's a certain type of person that can do this well. Um, and it's, it's something that works well for me. But depending on the personality of the therapist, of course, you know, you want them to do it well. You want them to encourage their clients and be, you know, be on top. <laughs> so that's what I, I try to be every time so that that I'm really modelling to the client how I want them to be and how they can be. And it's it's been a, a very, very exciting journey. And I commend you on your passion for that because there's not many people who have been in as long as a career that you have, you know, seeing yeah. again, 24,000 different sessions, 4,500 yes. different patients where they still have that passion, yes. which leads me to believe like you do it because you love it. And that's, that yeah. in itself is a, a, a beautiful thing. So hats off to that. And for those out there who are thinking, um, firstly, how's it different from affirmations? You mentioned yes. four exercises there, so I'd love to hear about that. 
that. But mm. how's it different from affirmations first? Well, the thing is, people come in with their um, particular problems and their approach to life. Um, so now we all know that affirmations work, but it's not in a researched way. So I've actually done the study to say that if you if you target the uh, irrational, I'll call them irrational thoughts, if you target those thoughts and feelings, then you will come to the opposite of that. So I challenge the clients to actually, with me, to make up some statement that actually targets their thoughts and feelings. So it becomes a unique thing. And then because I'm a scientist practitioner, I, um, I'm rating Rating all the time, you know, how are you, you know, perhaps this, I don't know what the statement might be, but they might say, um, I'm functioning well or something. And I say, okay, let's rate that. How are you functioning at the moment? And they might say, well, one out of 10 or, you know, zero out of 10. And I say, great, we're going to put that down because that's going to be our target and our goal is to get you to move from here to here so that you you know and and they come up with huge lists of negative emotions and how they're feeling and what's wrong with their lives and then I step them over to how they would like to be and that's what mm -hmm. we train on so it's yeah that's that's the basis of of that um, rewiring is to move them from one place to the next place in the shortest possible time. Awesome. And so for for someone listening at home, who is there a way that someone can do it by themselves, or does it does it need to be done with a practitioner? Well, I think when you do something by yourself, it kind of wanes after a while. And mm -hmm. with the with the work that I give the clients. Um, it is, it's difficult to do and you need someone who is an encourager who's going to be the scientist practitioner, if you like, with the knowledge of where they're going, how to get there. And because, you know, I know, well, maybe it's just me, but I know I will give up on something, you know, fairly soon. I'll try it, try it, try it and go, oh, yeah, I seem to feel better. But then, you know, you really need that person who's doing that science practice to say mm -hmm. okay you've come this far let's look now at this or that or the other and of course there's always time in the session to talk about the current issues as well and apply them back to the rewiring that they're doing so that they're they're just you know traveling with you with the therapist and I found that to be amazing and as I say those people who've done they're 50 times a day or how many they have to do, um, then they just move forward so, so quickly. I had a doctor talk yes. to me about two days ago and he said, I just want to say, he said, I've got permission to say this from my uh, patient, but she said she's been working with you and her life is so, so different. She's actually a happy, functioning person and it's really good to get that feedback. I know it's happening because I, I see it when they come back in, but you never see the finished product because they're so good by then they don't want to come back and pay you money to tell them they're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a quality problem, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so for me, I've, I've recently realized the, the power of 
the mind. I mean, recently in the sense of I've relearned that because mm. growing up, I, I did lots of meditation and lots of um, like Joe Dispenza manifestation, those kind of things. And mm. um, I, I, and I understand that it's probably very different, but uh, long story short, I, I did that for so long and I kind of started doubted a bit, you know, like I, I started reading a lot of like personal development books and things yeah. like affirmations and then incantations, oh, like yeah. saying what you want with emotion, yeah. like Tony Robbins style, like <laughs> run it, running in the park, screaming out loud, I am the greatest, I am the greatest. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I just kind of, I, I let go of that and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to follow that that way yeah. of thinking, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. And um, fast forward to about a year and a half ago, I, um, oh, actually longer than that, it was about uh, three years ago. Hmm. I started to experience um, a lot of health issues. Yes. Um, and, you know, when it started happening, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, you know, I started having really bad sleep maintenance insomnia. And anyone who listens to this podcast will know this based on me sharing this before. Um, I thought it was a sleep thing and I need to yeah. like, so why am I not sleeping for? What are the mechanisms behind that? What are the, um, you know, what, what am I doing before bed? You know, what's my sleep hygiene? Yes. I started yeah. seeing sleep psychologists. I was having a few hours of sleep each night. So, Long story short, where I'm getting to with this is come to where I am now, a lot of what I was experiencing was um, to do with my gut health. Um, yeah. I, I did a gut test and I have leaky gut and, and uh, a whole bunch of other things like uh, my mucus lining was damaged, my villi was inflamed, my gut bacteria was bad. So long story short, I, I realized all these things and then I came across this thing a few days ago, um, this ad on, on, on Instagram, on Meta, mm. and it was talking about IBS and how hypnotherapy can help yeah. IBS. Yeah. Mm. And so for me, like, you know, and, and it's one thing I love about science, right, is that no matter how uh, biased you are towards a certain science, if you truly follow science, you'll find that certain things are wrong when it mm. comes, when it pertains to the, the clinical mm. side of stuff. And so now I start looking at the research, I'm like, all this time I've been telling myself throughout this process of this health journey I've gone through since about three years ago, that it's all a technical solution, meaning specifically it's like I've changed my foods or I have to, <laughs> I have to um, see sunrise and like everything was a physical thing. Yes. Like I'm a physical, yeah. you know, and, and obviously there's physical when it comes to the mind. That's all this hypnotherapy thing. I'm like, and all these thoughts came back when I used to believe that. And, um, so then I started doing it yeah. and I'd been doing some work with a naturopath and slash nutritionist for a while now. Her name's Brooke. She's great. And we've been healing my gut, like doing all the prebiotics, doing, you know, all those things. It, eventually you hit a wall, which yeah. is we don't think we can with your physical health, but Luke, like you're, you're like, you're too much stress in your life and this and that. I can't hit a wall with that. So I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I started doing this hypnotherapy and I'm sitting there in meditation and I, uh, one of the meditations is you like imagine uh, like a, a river in your GI tract and like it goes through the river, like it's nourishing your river. Mm. And the one I did last night was you hold your hands on there and you feel the warmth from your hands and it like you can feel it healing your gut. And I'm like, this is so like, feels so uh, non-scientific, but I did it. And after I did it, I it's been four nights now I've yes. done this. Yeah. My sleep has gotten better each night. Yeah. My gut health has improved. And I had a really bad inflammation from it last week of having tofu. It was really weird. But what I'm trying to say, it's it's so fascinating how we believe, uh, you know, because it's, it's almost societal in a way. We we start to 
only believe what we can physically see, right? right? Mm-hmm. And for me, like that, letting go of that, letting go of that, it's all physical and there's a technical solution that's in the physical world mm-hmm. and really just like doing that hypnotherapy and feeling the difference. I'm like, wow, the power of the mind exists. That's right. That's right. And and rewiring is a little bit like that because when you look at it, it gets the same results as, say, hypnotism would get, you know. So, and I, even though I'm a trained hypnotherapist as well, I always prefer to go to the rewiring because hypnotism is an easy thing for a client. They don't have to do anything, you know. So, um, but with the rewiring they do have to do something and it's just to change the way that they think because if they don't change the way they think it's not going to stick you know it'll be like a fad so um but if they do um repeat and say you know i'm I'm healthy and whole and well or whatever they whatever they want to repeat it just takes that little bit of time not very long not like the um, apparently uh, the belief is that it takes two years to overcome depression and even then it may not be fully overcome, um, you know, in normal therapy. But what I've discovered here is that I've, I've made it a faster process so that um, the results are very easy to see, you know, so you can, um, yeah, you get there quicker. And you get mm. to be where you want to be. So that the process of that would be, you know, and I'm just giving an example here, just so people fully understand. It's like I would say, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy over 50 yeah. times. And yeah. what you would do as a practitioner is with them, you will uh, provide like uh, measurements for them and also talking about their stuff outside that as well. Yes. And I'll know, you- of course, whether they're doing their 50 times a day because, you know, the results – come through and I've seen so many people and so many results that I will know when people aren't doing their practice because they're not getting better. Mm. Um, And then um, with the, of course, added to that, some people need the heart approach first and then do the cognitive fluency exercises. And it's usually a combination of both things because it's emotional issues that people come with and they want that dealt with quickly. So, um, and those are our moments of um, finding out that I use, uh, in this instance, I use some of the transactional analysis material, which talks about the adult, um, the parent, and the child, the inner child, and help people to realize. Everyone's got an inner child, all the emotions that we've grown up with. And it's those stuck points that come from the past and they're still with us and we still get stuck on those very points. So it's helping people to realise that they can take care of their inner selves and they can, if you like, parent their inner selves and talk to them and talk to themselves and, you know, just be accepting and um, to treat themselves kindly. And that, uh, I do some exercises with that, some, you know, particular meet the inner child, which is an exercise I just created years ago. Um, and it's, uh, I'm, I think it may be in the thesis in the rewiring book. I've got that, um, and I think I showed you that the other day, but this was just yep. my, 
my my PhD thesis that I've just put into a little book form. But it's meeting the inner child and discovering that there are stuck places. You know, there's maybe uh, feelings of unworthiness or they're unlovable, or and it's being able to help them to to transform that into accepting and loving themselves and and that's just a beautiful journey to see someone say oh i get it you know i i i haven't been kind to myself i haven't i haven't loved myself and so that's the journey because if you can begin with that in little inner person who's still wounded from childhood then um you're going to be able to be more communicative and have better relating to others around you or to your children or to your parents. So once people discover that, that is also a part of the rewiring process. And because I've joined the cognitive with the psychodynamic, the the supervisors didn't like that. They didn't know how to do that. That's my uni supervisors. So it was, I had to convince them first that this is the best way to go, that you're combining the two. You're not just a you know, a CBT person, cognitive behavioural therapist, but you're also a warm, relating person who shows them how to be accepting of themselves. So both of those things are part of the rewiring process and all done in six sessions. Well, actually five, because the first session is really hearing someone's story and being Mm. able to be that detective and go, wow, where are we going with this? How can Mm. I take this person forward? And is mm. rewiring the thing that they're looking for? Yeah. You know? So that's well, quite. Sorry, go for it. You're going to say? No, I was just, just going to say, you know, and I think, oh, someone says to me one time, so do you just apply this to everyone? And I go, well, no, actually, I don't, because some people are not ready to do that, you know. They're not ready to do that work on themselves or to be disciplined in doing the homework or the what I say, the, you know, the home exercises, which only takes, um, it'll take you 20 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day. And so people who come go, oh, so how long is this going to take? This seems an awful lot. So I take them through it. I give them practice in session. So they go, oh, that's great. I think I can do that. And they go away and do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. I think, um, you know, I find it interesting that you had to convince the the, uh, the university supervisor, <laughs> right? Supervisor, right? Because this is the beautiful, this is the the downside, but also the beautiful thing with language and with words, right? Mm-hmm. It's that with words you can point to certain things, right? It's like uh, mm-hmm. words are the finger pointing to the moon. It's not the moon itself, right? Yeah. And but the, the so the positive is that we can define things and we can relate it and talk about it. But the other side of that is that we we then start boxing things in places when really like they're the, they're maybe even the same thing, or perhaps mm. they're overlapping so much that we can't even begin to explain. Yes. So when we use you know again this is all saying about science before like when we use the mechanism of science, we can always come to mm. a truth, but it might not, might not be the truth, right? Mm. And and this is where and this is just my opinion, this is where theology and, and psychology mm-hmm. can kind of mm-hmm. come together. Yeah. I'd love to know about your experience with the, those two uh, professions or degrees, whatever you want to call it, 
and how they they come together or don't come together and, and what what's that like? Mm. Well, um, where do I even start? Um, when I was working in Brazil, we were doing mission work with drug rehab and orphanage and street kids and, you know, and, and I had to learn Portuguese, which I think is very hard. I was about 33, I think. And to learn a new language. Do you language, still speak it now? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I still have clients who speak Portuguese and they found out about me and I put it on a couple of things. And mm-hmm. so I get all, <laughs> mind you, I, Portuguese speakers from Brazil are different to those from Portugal. And I go, I think I'll leave the people from Portugal alone because they speak so fast. And they have some different words that they use. But Brazilian Portuguese I'm great with because I was lecturing in that before I left and still have clients. So um, now what was your question? I've forgotten it. The uh, link between psychology and theology. So, um, So for me that link has been very, very strong. And I've tried to, um, you know, be on top of that. I was the uh, president of the Christian Counselors Association for about 13 years in Australia, the national president. And uh, that was me trying to, you know, walk through, okay, there is faith and there's psychology, I guess. And and is psychology against belief? Well, it's not really, is it? And, in fact, when I started my psychology studies at Murdoch, um, I just went, oh, my goodness, this is just common sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of common sense, and I was p- particularly interested in educational psychology as well as clinical and developmental, and it was just like, wow, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that it was so good and that I enjoyed it so much. So what I did... Uh, Coming back from Brazil, I've worked for, I don't know, so many years as a psychologist now. But my recent, um, how I've combined that recently is by um, priesthood training. So earlier this year I was ordained as an Anglican priest. Um, and I, I, because I see the two working so closely together and, and that people of faith are often you know, it's that extra dimension that that we try to get at, so that there's um there's a connection uh, within themselves, connection with a, a bigger, uh, you know, a greater being, um, the universe or, or God, um, and that's really important for people. Uh, not that I, you know, proselytize in my sessions, but I am who I am, and I believe that impacts who they are. Um, and if they want to talk about, you know, their religion or whatever, I'm, I'm very open to talk about it, um, and but not to push my ideas, which, you know, of course we're not allowed to push our own ideas, but I am who I am and how I choose to be, and I believe that impacts people. And how much do you think of, you know, say, for example, someone is going to a, a Pentecostal church and they're, they're doing the singing, they're doing the praises, they're around people, um, they're connecting with people, they belong to a, a tribe, quote-unquote. Mm. How much of that is that feeling that we get? Because it's kind of a loaded question, I get it, but I feel like um, 
I feel like sometimes the feeling of connection that we can have is the connection with a fellow human being and the connection with a community and the connection with a congregation of people. Do you think that's what that feeling is or do you think it's more than that? Well, look, that's what I think. I think churches are, you know, little tribes of where you belong and where you feel comfortable. Um, But I still think we need that added, you know, thought processes about what I'm doing and and why I'm doing things. Um, Yeah, and so there is that, you know, examine yourselves and, and look at what you believe and how you are with other people how un- unjudgmental you are and how accepting you are of others. <clears throat> I think the community part is is very important because, you know, loneliness, isolation, um, you know, people not having someone, you know, if they've lost their partner or, or they've been separated from family and so on, you need someone to connect to. And I think that's what's important about you know, for example, church, because you go and you see the same person every week. It's almost, it is a family for people. Um, And so I really encourage, you know, individuals to go and to, you know, to make friends or at least make friends with themselves to start with. Uh, And, um, yeah, and I see such change in people when they are able to join a community, whatever that community is. I mean, here in our town, we've got the bridge players, which I actually joined, I, I still hate. Well, I was going to say I hate it, but you know what bridge is like. It's <laughs> highly competitive. <laughs> but yeah, that you know those groups in our community, they they they're what's important, you know. And when people come to our little community here in Kendina, if they don't join a group, they'll be gone within several years because they say, oh, it's too lonely. or it's, it's... So they really need to invest in community and, and that makes them happy, makes us happy. Mm. And from seeing those, doing those 24,000 sessions again, incredible. What, what are some of the key lessons you've learned? I'm assuming that's one of them, right, community. Like yeah. What are some of the things people really struggle with? Yeah. Um, I think... When I first see people, and I really love that first session, and it, it's always it's it's different. You've got a different person in front of you, but I find that people come they're just overwhelmed by life, and they can't see the you know the, the wood for the trees, you know, and so my job really is to bring them into a good relationship with me, a good bond, and for them to trust me to lead them and teach them and help them and do this therapy with them. Um, and, and what I see is that people do come in and gradually they, they relax, they like me, I like to laugh in therapy. I think, ther- you know, laughter is as good as anything really sometimes. It's not going to take people forward, but it is like, okay, let's just, you know, throw off the burdens that we've got and just have a laugh together. It's a regulator. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, the worry of the world, the worry, you know, teenagers come in and they're just, they're full of um, fears, concerns about the future. Um, And when I put them on to rewiring, they'll actually go, oh, I was looking at it from 
a ne- very negative way. And now that I'm positive, so I say to them, look, you know, there's a threshold. And if you have a lot of good things happening in the day, you get enough good things to actually trigger off your tr- neurotransmitters and, and you feel good. And But then what happens is, you know, the bad things come in and someone says something horrible and insults you or, you know, rips you off in some way and you go under that threshold and you fall into that murky area where you, you don't feel good and you're not getting your dopamine and your serotonin and your neurotransmitters and you're in this murky place. And that's often where I find people. So I teach them how to put all the good words that we were talking about, words. And words are amazing because we can make them like, a instead of just being something in our heads, we can make them concrete so that the words you say are like uh, concrete things. We can treat them like that and then we can adopt those into our being, right? So it's doing that whole thing and seeing a person come alive, really. And, you know, because there's relationship, there's a therapy to work on, something to do. Um, and and doing that helps them wherever they are in their situation outside of the clinic, helps them to actually put into practice what we're learning in there. So, you know, for me, I do get excited when I see a new person because I want to find out, a little bit like a detective, I want to find out what it is. So I'll listen to their whole story and and try and work out, okay, what is best for this person? And as you know, often I say, let's do the rewiring because it rewires your head, you, you know, with the cognitive fluency, and it rewires your heart with your emotions and, and who you are on the inside. So I I did at one stage call it rewiring head and heart, and that's what it is. You know, it's the cognitions and the emotions, and it's a very, very powerful uh, therapy that I love using. And it's just, it's been an exciting journey for me. Um, Yeah. And so with those two things, they're doing the heart stuff, which is the inner child stuff, and then Mm. also on top of that doing the, um, the rewiring, what is this the version that we're aiming towards? You know, if you ask Carl Jung, he would say it's individuation, it's integration of all parts through, and this is a simplistic way to put it, you know, mm. through shadow work and various things like that. Mm. What is that end goal? What is what is loving oneself? What are all these things? Because I often think in 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 discourse with people, we often think we often use those words a lot mm. without really knowing what it really means, right? Mm. Um, ask one person, he said that. Uh, someone, a complete person, so to speak, I know it's mm. not realistic, but as close as we can get, is yeah. someone that has, um, that's able to trust their intuition. Mm. They don't, they're not, um, they're not, uh, they don't fall into, they don't have instinct injuries, mm. right? They're able to just trust their intuition and say, hey, I don't want to do that. It's not the right thing. Mm. And just follow that. Mm. What would you say your version of that is if you have any version of that? I love to see people emotionally and spiritually whole and um, in all in all aspects. I, I like people to be able to go, you know, I'm open to something new. I'm open to I'm 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 more flexible than I was. 
And it's sort of, I think it's a wholeness of being, you know, um, and, and it's, um, I don't know, it's working towards positivity and optimism and uh, humour um, and, and being able to loosen people up to actually discover who they are and that they are a relating human being. And they do that with me in, you know, in that little <laughs> space um, in my little room. Um, and then they're able to, as you say, believe in themselves, feel that they're on top of things instead of underneath things and be able to shake off all those burdens and to, yeah, face the world, if you like, with more confidence and, and being sure of themselves. So these are all of the types of things that I would help people to work with is those feelings that they're not enough or they're not good enough or they're on the way out or they want to do themselves in or whatever that is. And I take that as a challenge to help them to discover who they can be and then to be that person. Mm. And for those listening right now, do you have... Uh... I wouldn't say a checklist, but do you have a few things that people can consider looking at in order to get things from a place of chaos to a place of order to improve their threshold? Mm, mm. Well, a lot of that is done in therapy, but I think generally speaking, you need to identify who you are right now and how you feel. Because if you don't start to write those things down, um, you, won't, you, know, you don't know that you need help or that you can get help. Um, you know, I have some people, I say, so how do you feel right now? Before we do any therapy, how are you feeling? And I get them to write and I'll help them to do that, a list of feelings and emotions and beliefs about themselves. And it becomes fairly obvious very soon that, hey, this is where this person is sitting and I'm the therapist. They've come to me for help. I'm going to move them from one space to another space and so that their locus of control is not all the dreadful things that have happened to them in, in their lives but it is their, they are the locus of control is within them and they can affect the world um, but their beliefs have to change and to change their beliefs we do that rewiring process and because our brains, um, you know, the plasticity of our brains and so on, you can do that. Of course, for children, for teenagers, it's a lot faster. But, you know, once they reach the age of about 20, 21, their brains are changing and not learning in the same way. And, the, you know, everything's, the neurons are being, you know, pruned so that they've no longer got, you know, the, the ability to actually do something new. So teaching a person to do something new, you know, it really is very much fitting in line with um, teaching your brain and teaching your heart something different. Um, and that's, that's very um, applicable today in today's society. We need to have that optimism and, and that positive approach to life because if we don't, you know, things are, go down fairly quickly. Yeah. So they've done that. They've say someone's they've done the self awareness journaling where they're writing down how they mm -hmm. feel, their emotions, and what's mm -hmm. going on for them. What are some other things that they can do? Review, surround themselves with the community. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. But you know, sometimes people aren't in that space when they can join other people. 
because their beliefs about themselves are, are so um, negative. Um, and so, and, and I think I'd like to, you know, really encourage people to do, do find a therapist that you can work with because they will help you. Um, they may not do rewiring, but they'll do, uh, you know, a host of other things. They should be doing rewiring. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, basically it works. It works. You can train yourself because I'm a musician as well. I, I know about Me too. This. Yeah, I know how to practice the piano. I'm a, uh, I do some photography. You know, I've been doing it for years and I know how to do it so it gets, a, you know, a good outcome. You get a good photo out of it. Well, I've only, look, I've been doing that for years and I know that that works and I believe in, you know, what I've learned. Um, and you get a good product. So that's all rewiring in a sense. You train, you practice, you, you know, you just stay there. You do it, you do it, you do it. And all that practice, it goes to good use, especially when you're training your brain because your brain then moves from the negative to the positive. Um, and, yeah, I still get excited about seeing a client do that. I mean, I get uh, a bit sad when someone comes back and they say, oh, sorry, I didn't have time to do my, you know, 20 minutes a day. Um, and I kind of, my heart sinks a little and I think, oh, how am I going to get this person to be, you know, involved in this in this therapy? And then if they really don't want to do it, one time a lady came to me, she belonged to Mensa, you know, the, the very bright people of this world, and I said, this is the exercise I'd like you to do. She said, no, that's too simple. That's not going to work. But And she didn't do it, you know. Um, and I was a bit sad about that because it's actually a very quick way to establish a new sense of being um, and something, as you know, I've worked with for so long. Um, and I'm I think people have a hard time. I think people have a hard time believing that it's like it can be so simple. You yes. know, like sometimes the most powerful solutions are found in the most simple things. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and mm. it is simple. It's straightforward. Um, but you do need someone to keep you on track. Otherwise, you're going to fall by the way. So now I'm hopefully getting a, a, a book out soon where people can actually follow, um, you know, and, and do things by themselves because I'd like everyone to know this. I want, I want the world to know how to do that and how to rewire themselves. But also, you know, um, working on my webpage so people can actually contact me um and um, do some training with me um and also do some therapy with me maybe online so there's all good things planned awesome and what other plans the future like what do you want to see from here besides the book besides the website and things like that what do you want to see i guess from the world to begin with mm. well look personally i know people won't agree with me but i think the world is improving. We can't see it much. <laughs> oh, it definitely is. It is improving. Uh, we all we only get the bad news. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic about um, people changing and you know being open and 
And yeah, developing things and, you know, this technique is, for me, it's a God-given technique and I, I love it and I work with it and I practice it with people and yeah, and now I'm still doing it. <laughs> Are you worried about um, some of the conflict that we have in the world with at the moment with like China and countries like that? Um, look, it's happening and I believe, you know, we've had conflict always, but I believe that, you know, the seeds of goodness are being sown around the world and that, that people will take hold of it, you know, if they hear about it. So um, I try to live my life in that way so that, you know, I am a positive influence on the people around me and on my family, of course, yeah. Beautiful. I love it. And so where can people find you if they want to connect with you? at the moment is the website very rock and roll is it or the website yes they can um it is www.psychologyaustraliamountlawley mm -hmm. uh, and i'll pop that in the notes as well yeah, below so we'll please. go to it yes please and and I'm, that's my practice um and people can contact me via that um and yeah and perhaps if you put my, yeah, my email as well. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on Genevieve. I appreciate it. Thank and you. And it was a pleasure to chat with you. Lovely. Thank you, Luke. And all the best for you too.